Welcome to the Broken Pencil Booking Company Pro Wrestling Podcast and radio show infused with hip-hop. I am Wood. Made daily. With organic, farm-to-table, localized, neuralized, sterilized, scotch-guarded for 2020 repellent, available online, shipped via Amazon, not available on Sundays, but now available on thebeastradio.com. Broken Pencil Logic. You stay classy, Internet. I'm Suave Burgundy. Yeah, man. Like we always do with this crime. Suave, what up, man? Man, you know what? It has been a week of triumph and uh, cool stuff. So I, I I have no complaints. I'm I'm living the dream, as they say. Word to Stewie Griffin: Victory is indeed mine. Victory is mine, man. Uh, <laughs> Curse that vile woman. Shouts out to newly jumped in former pencil pusher, but newly jumped in crew member. Swang Swang Ricky Blaine. Just saying the 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 foot soldiers and the faction of, of the broken pencil booking company is, is growing by leaps and bounds. So um starting to take on sort of a I don't know if it's like OG NWO vibe or Bullet Club just yet. It, we'll figure it out though. We'll keep you guys posted, we, we'll figure it out. And um, you know, we'll get with you with more updates. Then again, I mean it might be another faction. So I mean we we're, have we're we have been confused with being, or or maybe pre- prematurely assumed to be a faction with a certain organization. Shouts out SWE Fury for the hospitality and for the great the great show. Indeed, indeed. Get well soon, to Enzo. Lord have mercy. <laughs> That's all have I can mercy. really say. <laughs> um, have mercy. We 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 uh, shouts out to Petty Messiah. Shouts out to D-Wade. We uh, and oh and also Tony Snow and and the biggest player Teddy Long. Holla holla! <laughs> the player of all shout out, players. Shout out to Kevin Sullivan who just casually walked by. Speaking of Kevin Sullivan, got a story for you. Yeah. <clears throat> When Kevin Sullivan walked past us, uh-huh. and I caught the back the back of his dome piece walking past, and the the scuttlebutt amongst us was, yo, that's Kevin Sullivan. Is that Kevin said, yo, and I, I I was like, there's no way, and so I went to talk to Tony Snow. Tony Snow confirmed, yeah, that was Kevin Sullivan. He's uh, one of the bookers. He's also a, a commentator. Outstanding. What a great mind for the business to be with such a wonderful organization. Yesterday, I get a text message from Tony Snow, which is a picture that Kevin Sullivan autographed for the Broken Pencil Booking Company Pro Wrestling Podcast and radio show Infused with Hip Hop. But as I thought how cool that was, we were outdone. Tony Snow got the gold spike from Kevin Sullivan with his name with his name handwritten on the damn thing. Wow. 
Okay, I, I, I see how you get down. That's a that's a flex and a half to have Kevin Sullivan's golden spike. No lie, no lie. <laughs> Treasures might end up looking for that one day. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh wow, just it, yeah. So somebody from A and E will be contacting you shortly. Don't worry about <laughs> it. it. It may or may not be AJ Francis. Who knows? <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> yeah, man. Um. That's all I got for this weekend's events. Oh, we were supposed to link up with the uh, with the world's strongest man, Mark Henry, who was unable to make it convalescing a nasty infection in his foot. Get well soon, champ. You know, we'll hopefully see you here in a few weeks when you guys return to the Metroplex. But this speedy is, recovery to Enzo. Yeah, no, yeah, that him too. Him yeah, too, yeah, buddy. Yeah, you, you know, you when. When you don't speak, but your actions speak volumes, and all of a sudden your your momentum is taken away because you get knocked the f out, and it's nobody's fault. It just happened, bruh. Whew. I really hope his bell is, isn't rung too bad, um, because I, I was instantly reminded. I think we were both instantly reminded of, of that incident in WWE. On that ring, yeah. Just, just knowing his history is like, yeah. You don't want to see anybody take too many of these because, like, the days of like Troy Aikman, because that's essentially what ended his career. One too many concussions. Like he was getting banged up at the end. Like Lavar Arrington probably owes that man some type of like insurance payout. And the fact that Troy is still able to broadcast at such a high, at such the high quality that he does is amazing considering the punishment amazing. that he took because like if some some athletes had like with professional wrestlers like you know one two concussions could be it like you know if they're you know diagnosed and figured out and you don't pass protocol now troy might have had that many in a season <sighs> no i want to say he had that many in a game against washington but like for a season it was and he it still, was some abnormal ass number. There was Pause. some there were some games. There were some games that he would play post concussed. There were some games that he would play after a week of concussions, just come right on back. Again, before concussion protocol. But like we see or saw, like we joke about this all the time, but it's really not funny. The unprotected ass chair shot to the dome piece. Yep. Like this, that really wasn't. It, like it's nothing to joke about. We we make light of it because it's, it's a piece of our childhood. But the irreparable right. damage that is done to people, like Mick Foley's a prime example. We saw him take eighteen of them from The Rock, and right. this and this Un- is unnecessarily. But yeah, and The Rock was two, at the time was two hundred two hundred fifty five two hundred sixty pounds. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, all of that. I'm I'm reminded of some sage advice I I received one time from uh, Jake the Snake Roberts while watching the documentary, um, w, uh, actual WWE uh, published documentary as well. And and he said in his his classic voice about um, his cla- one of his classic angles with Ricky Steamboat. He said, "You can't DDT a man on concrete. You'll kill him." <laughs> and I that has stuck with me 
for for funny and non-funny reasons for the rest of the time that i've been living since i've seen that you cannot be to your man on concrete you'll, you'll kill, kill him. him and jake meant that tongue-in-cheek and just as just as on the same breath serious as syphilis <laughs> you feel what i'm saying like he's protecting the business by by you know saying this like you you but i mean in application if you were to actually ddt a man on concrete there's a dice rolls of a chance you might kill him <laughs> and certainly a broken nose goes without saying you getting that off top and and speaking of uh ddt and people on concrete and, and might kill him we we haven't talked about this in detail and we should have last week but it's a perfect segue nick okay. gage Dark Side Bruh. of the Ring, Nick Gage. Bruh. Bruh. Not, not for nothing. For something, for, for a person who is living, like, by and large, more people knew about New Jack. But the same way that people knew about New Jack and revered him at that time, this, this, like last year during Dark Side of the Ring, there were fans of... Um, Nick Gage that had never seen him in a national light until Dark Side of the Ring. So they were excited. But man, the things that we found out. It it definitely (laughs) raised his profile. Uh kind of put him in a in what category? Like uh I don't know who whose level it raised him up to, but I mean in terms of lore. he What's might again? It, it, in terms of lore, like in terms of wrestling lore, like how, how yeah, 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 yeah. Like he who, might be, he might be in his rise, own class. Like whose be, profile is he level on right now? He, he he might be in his own class because the biggest organization he ever competed for was CZW. I can I can see that. Like yeah, oh, or kind of like um how the wrestlers worked out for Darby Allen. If okay, Darby again. I'm going to say Nick Gage may be in his own his own league because Darby was elevated to a a national spotlight briefly on Evolve and then was part of uh, AEW. The, Nick Gage I, I, will the never. The first time I saw Darby Allen ever was his deathmatch episode on the wrestlers. Right. And then thereafter, the next time I saw him, I didn't see the Evolve stretch. I okay. saw next thing I saw was him wrestling Cody. Okay, then which is which is great, but you know well, who? Matter you, of fact, it wasn't even wrestling. Co- was it wrestling Cody first, or just I saw him on AEW? It's just on that AEW, yeah. But but you know who you won't see on AEW ever? Nick Gage. At, <laughs> hey, I'm not so quick to say that now, though. Do you really? Like, do you really? Think I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell you drop, why. They would drop the liability why. bag. Who, who's the biggest fan of Nick Gage? Like, who's hands the, down, right? John Moxley. So, at some point, Moxley and Kingston are going to be looking for a third. Trio's titles are coming up. They're battling the elite. They're viciously outnumbered. At some point, now, selfishly, when we did that, the whole thing about bringing up the idea that New Jack should be signed by All Elite Wrestling. 
<laughs> what would have been a more perfect spot than being the third next to Kingston and Moxley? The promos alone by themselves would have been worth the price of admission. So now that you you don't have that option, what's the I won't say the next best thing because that's totally disrespectful this isn't even great value right right on but <laughs> you know what I'm saying but who is the next person that would fit in that space that makes sense and because Moxley was all over the dark side of the ring episode bringing in Nick Gage would also bring in that audience who watches dark side of the ring and at this point, you need to start crossing over and layering as many different levels of professional wrestling fans as absolutely possible. That's one thing I can say I do like about AEW is that between Dark, between um, Evolution, Dark was it Dark Evolution, and uh, they're in this move that they're about to have on t- to TBS. They're going to open up another third a third hour of weekly program that we were talking about. They're going to get that on TBS apparently. Yeah. Um, don't brush over there because we didn't we didn't even talk about that last week. That no, no, it's on the agenda. We're, we're home in 2022. Yeah, it's on the agenda for today. Um, but the thing is, you you have Kenny Omega, arguably, and I'm not saying he is, but arguably the greatest wrestler in the world right now. Um, John Moxley. Uh, okay, I'm I'm not there. There, I didn't say that. Jericho said it. I'm no, I was it. just, I was, I, <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. I just, I did that for my own purposes. Yeah, Moxley, who's the uh, uh, the IWGP United States Champion, who has a it's death. It's like putting like put E85 gas in a Benz, but go ahead. But he's also a death match, uh, like like connoisseur and veteran. Like Dean Ambrose was born because the death match didn't fit the WWE. And now we have the hybrid, which is death match guy slash good wrestler slash showman and uh and John Moxley, the AEW version. We have the Murder Hawk monster, Lance Archer, who has gone from Lance Hoyt to um, what 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 was the what was the Archer name in in uh, WWE? Um, I think it was Lance. No, no, Archer. No, no, oh, no, no, Vance Archer. Vance Archer. Vance. Yes, correct. So from uh, <coughs> Lance Hoyt to Vance Archer to Lance Archer, and probably three or four different incarnations of Lance Archer since New Japan and the Killer Elite Squad, and then now AEW. Um. Taz, uh, Ice Train Jr., uh, Will Hobbs, that is, Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, like, there's so many different facets. The Young Bucks, or aka the, the Block and Troll Express, aka the Low Warriors. Warriors. Um, like, there's so many different facets to the types of, of wrestlers that you have. You could actually break off like factions to wrestle similar styles and still come away with a quality program every week if executed properly WWE can't even say that right now if executed properly if we're not just randomly rolling the dice and and basically doing a live to tape indie show every week 
this is very very true very true but I, I like but I do like the fact that you have so many conflicted styles because it's either wrestler high flyer wrestler strong style wrestler ground and pound or or a sports entertainer which you have between NXT and WWE regular WWE Smackdown and Raw not including NXT UK because UK is just UK strong style it's just it's a it's a situation where one show is overly produced and it suffers because of it and then the other show is underproduced and suffers because of it but if I must say that if there's any place where Nick Gage could find a home especially off off of this momentum it would be AEW because AEW keeps bringing up the dark side of the ring and not because of Nick Gage but because of Brian Pillman Jr. Get him as a one-off yeah, just get him as a one-off as a surprise tag team partner get the pop that goes with it hopefully you can keep him in line and he don't just fly off the handle like you want him to do all the spots that he's air quotes famous for but I don't think anybody wants to get a real life pizza cutter run across their mouth pardon the pun but use him as a gauge see what the see what the pulse is like the perfect time to do that would be the very end of Double or Nothing. Because even yeah, if you do you, nothing with him pop, after that, what, what'd you say, Suave? So you pop a two for one with that. Like you, you get the pop of him showing up on television and then you get the bill to him wrestling or being involved in something. And if it fizzles, not, if it fizzles, if guess what? You don't, you, you don't lose anything. If it, if it fizzles, you don't lose anything. It's happening at the end of a pay-per-view. Nothing guaranteed. I mean, but yeah, it's not. It's not, it's not guaranteed. You, Go ahead. Like what you do when if you show up at the end of the pay-per-view, you get the pop and you get the the news and the blurbs, everything after that. Uh, if it air quotes fizzles, if it's another you know Japanese exploding death match type thing where people kind of know but not everybody knows, or it doesn't get that reaction that you're looking for, you can build it and blow it off on an episode of Dynamite and be. Otherwise, you know, AEW doesn't do monthly pay-per-views. So you're not going to be able to cash in on this until three months from now. Well, till what? Uh, uh, Labor Day? La- yep. Uh, no. Um, All fight, fight, uh, fighter, fight for the Fallen. Fighter Fest. That if, so if they if they do, they, Fighter Fest is going to happen. Fight for the Fallen, we don't know if they're going to do a pay-per-view. But is Fighter Fest still a pay-per-view? It never was a pay-per-view. Okay, well then, I'm saying in a position where you can try to make some money off of this. No, that's what Fight for the Fallen was. That no, was here's that was what I'm saying. If you debut Nick Gage Sunday in some form just to test the water and try to get a pop, you're building. It would be smart to build towards something where now people have to pay to see what he will or won't do. At that point. You have to wait until All Out, which is in September, Labor Day weekend. But you can. I don't know. I don't know if it's worth to bring that guy in, pay him, and think he's gonna stay on the rails until September. This is where the, this new live weekly programming hurts your your plausible uh, and, and and very good scenario. Because if this were territory booking where you record uh, or where you tape three weeks for the programming in one day, 
You could have Nick Gage on once a month between now and then, then have him show up on a live episode the week of the pay-per-view and call it a day. And that money is good as gold at that point. You're, 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 tickets are selling for gold bars at that point. If for no other and reason that, for and him. That's I'm, <laughs> right. And that's, that's where I'm looking at it like, okay, it's what, 12 weeks? Roughly, of, yes. Of t- television, yeah, roughly 12 weeks of television time between Double or Nothing and All Out. And that's where it comes back to where I say one show on one channel and one company is overproduced and it suffers. The And on the other channel, the other show is underproduced and it suffers. 12 week vision is not AEW strong suit. <laughs> the whole Eric Bischoff uh, formula. 12 weeks. That is not their strong suit. Has never been. Stuff gets lost in the shuffle. All of a sudden, Nick Gage will be on Dark and Dark Revolution. Some shit I ain't never watched and don't plan to. <laughs> not one episode. I might have watched, watched Dark one time. I'm not chasing content on YouTube for this. I'm not like, doing it. I just ain't. NWA Power was a, was already hard enough. I can't say it was hard enough. It was exciting because it was it brought back a piece of nostalgia, but it was still on damn Tuesday. We're not, we're not about to be forced to go there week after week for AEW when we get them on TNT on well, TNT on Wednesdays. Why we do that? Plus, right. we got. Right. I'm like, if you can't get if you can't give me your best shot every week on television, why am I gonna go find it on YouTube and sit through the talent that doesn't make the main show? Oh, and then that's you the have, same reason we don't watch main event. And then we you also have. MLW. We never talk about two hundred five live. We don't talk about any of that. You also have MLW who just jumped ship from YouTube. Well, they're still on YouTube, but they also are on uh, Vice, which the presentation of old shows on Vice looks freaking phenomenal on Vice, by the way. And then you have them on the Fight Network too. And the Fight Network looks even better than Vice. Are you kidding me? Right, because Ring of Honor on, on Fight TV is phenomenal. Man, man, Ring of Honor. So they they tried it with um, Destination America when they when every everything was was popping. Like you had about four or five weekdays worth of programming, and ROH was following uh, Impact. But man, that's nothing compared to what they have on, on Fight with uh, with ROH. It's it like Ring of Honor looks as good aesthetic as I've ever seen it in the episodes that I've seen on Fight TV lately. You get full use of your 4K television. Factuals. The uh, the AEW moved to TBS uh, from T- TBS to TN from T- I'm sorry from TNT to TBS had it right the first time. It's going to take place January of 2022, and we'll also have a one hour long show called AEW Rampage, which is set to debut Friday, August 13th uh, at 10 p.m. Couple layers to this. Thank goodness, thank goodness, it's in the summer when this starts. And AEW Rampage is going to be on TNT, where a Dynamite was going to be on TBS. But you expecting to follow SmackDown with a one-hour AEW show on Friday nights on TNT? Look, man, I all I can say is that you're gonna have to maybe, maybe, maybe just maybe that 10 o'clock slot or that post smackdown slot on tnt means they can be a little edgier because of what time they're coming on 
the network already gives them a little bit more not. leeway anyway. Was that the network did what? It, it already gives them a little <laughs> bit more leeway anyway. TNT gives you a little bit more freedom than say Fox would do. And Fox Fox used to be True. the home of the don't give a fuck. True, but I'm saying because that much later that you might even be able to take a little more of the restraints off. Like it would be AEW's equivalent to Shotgun Saturday Night, just but, not on local television. But again, we're talking we're talking Friday though. Like are, are exactly we- my point. Fr- Friday night after after nine p.m. Well, basically at 10 p.m., which is, you know, 9, nine, nine central, central or whatever. But at that hour on Friday night, like, what reason would you have to hold back? Because if your audience is going to watch that, it's probably the same audience that's going to watch Dynamite. What's the problem? We're over 14 months away from this happening, right, as 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 of this conversation. And, right. And for the sake of conversation, you're hearing this on Thursday, May 27th. Yeah, I lord. Yeah, I lord. I say yeah, I lord. Yeah, I lord. Twenty and twenty-one. Amen. And so, so you're you're hearing this now. And if I say this and ask this question, it's not a, a fair ask at this point because hell knows what could happen between now and then. The question I'm asking is: What's Do the question, do we care? <clears throat> do we care? Yes. Uh, sure. Why not? We and and the reason I say sure why not is because we're we're in a very pivotal time in wrestling content where one one slip up from one of these companies that has national television could you know send shockwaves through the other independent companies not named WWE mm-hmm. and one slip up or one step too far could have us back to a monopoly. Mm. AEW is out here playing not with house money, but you know, you want them to be successful if for no other reason because it's going to open up a deal, a TV deal for another promotion. Like, okay, WWE's occupying a bunch of TV real estate. So TNT said, well, we want we want to bring wrestling back might have made a mistake 20 years ago so now AEW gets a green light <clears throat> they're getting you know now it's going to be up to th- uh, uh, three hours of content on Turner Broadcast Networks and then um, Vice picks up MLW where we were talking about hey they probably you know they could have been a contender for ESPN plus with the model that they're doing now showing um basically archival footage just to get people familiar with the product they could have done that what i spoke about with uh potentially doing uh, uh netflix then you have honor who has their deal with is working out uh nwa powers on fight tv i don't know if i'm ready to jump into a subscription model for power <laughs> but it's there they're um, they're, they're taking the, Japan, they're taking the whole I'm sorry, they're taking the old impact formula and thinking that, you know, old TNA formula, rather, and thinking that they can recreate that almost 20 years later. But people's attention spans aren't where they were 20 years ago. I mean, look, and you're in the midst of a pandemic. So, I mean, yes, AEW never stopped charging full price for pay-per-views. But in terms of, am I going to pay $5 a month for power where they're giving me, you know, 
the one hour studio show versus am I going to drop the 50 bomb on AEW and at least I get to see more people that I might be familiar with. And like and 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 their pay-per-views are going to go back and forth between, you know, really great matches and epic epic clusterfucks. <laughs> Here's what's even crazier. So you're going to be entertained. Here's what's even crazier. We're, we're talking about the the uh the viability of these independents and oh that's crazy uh, I'm looking I'm at MLW.com we're talking about the viability of these independents and these independents are like or really like MLW would probably be the only true independent that's like you know with TV TV uh, coverage right now because like Evolve is now a WWE product you have Progress WWE product you have ICW over in, in the UK WWE product NXT UK WWE product um, but like outside of watching WWE outside of the United States on the WWE network inside the United States on the cock that um, you have impact Pause. you have impact plus you have um, what is this um, oh help me out oh uh, uh, Pluto I keep talking I talk about it all the time we have three different ways that you can watch professional wrestling 24 hours a day. And one of them is completely free. I, I, I take that back. There are two channels on Pluto where you can watch professional wrestling completely free. So that's four outlets. And one of them is an Impact channel. So if you don't want to subscribe to Impact Plus, Hakuna Matata. You can watch all Impact stuff on Pluto for free 24 hours a day. This is a great time to be a wrestling fan. It's even a better time to be a wrestler. I think SWE Fury is going to be within that next, oh, I say six to 18 months. I know it's a pretty broad window, but six to 18 months, they're going to be, they're going to put themselves in the position to not just attract bigger talent because so far we've, and just in the last three weeks, we've seen, you know, their real world heavyweight champion, Charlie Haas. We've seen, um, Red Dog, Rodney Mack. We've seen uh, Crimson. We've seen Jax Dane. Um, Supermax. Supermax Hernandez. Um, I had I had seen Moonshine Mantel at, at two SWE shows in a row, but I've seen him pop up on other things too. So he's it's not like Moonshine, and even though he's a Texas talent, not like he's staying here. He's doing what he can do to get out there and, and move around. Um, Enzo was just here this past Saturday for SWE Fury, um, and apparently, and Teddy Long, Teddy Long is their damn commissioner. Like he was on SmackDown not even a month ago, and he's the SWE commissioner, so he's on TV every week here in Texas. Like there, there's there are levels to the the behind the scenes production aspect. Um, which which gives it the the feel that we that we know and love, especially with these you know cameras you know having better technology and things being pushed to to be to, be, to go over the top. But the talent is now you know moving back and forth. I'm really interested to see what this MLW NXT uh, relationship does if it materializes. Um, and and then of course AEW is still dealing with New Japan. 
and they're getting talent from New Japan, and New Japan talents going over. I mean, there's I mean, uh, AEW talents going up to New Japan, and you know, you you had Max Maxwell Jacob Friedman going back and forth between MLW and AEW for a while. Like, it, we're almost at that point, Swab, where you know, any any given week, we could see some wild shit that we never would have imagined that we've only dreamed of happening happening. Which is all the more reason it goes to explain why we care about this extra hour of AEW. Which they have to be successful for for the rest of this to work. Because the, the relationship with Impact doesn't matter if AEW lose loses its um its real estate. And not for nothing. New Japan is gonna go ahead, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was like New Japan eventually is gonna come back looking for, you know, American television. Now their roster's looking way different than when they were, you know, showing up on American television and, and being on Axis and running specials. They don't have that same core. That core is on TNT now. But at the same time, if they're creating American titles and they're still bringing over American talent and they're working out all these different deals with Impact and Ring of Honor where they talent swap and send people back and forth, they're going to want some American television because the plan before they swap presidents was to establish a presence in the U.S. And so them wrestling in L.A. is not for nothing. And I mean, them wrestling in Dallas isn't for nothing. In fact, here's a perfect segue for you. Uh, was it three years ago? that, Or was it two years ago when New Japan pulled their, uh, their, their G1? Uh, starting the tournament in Dallas at the American Airlines Center. Uh, I feel like that's nineteen. I feel like I feel like it was nineteen as well. And yeah, like some summer nineteen. They had just had a major show in Long Beach, like a couple of months before that happened, and they deserved a crowd. I, was the venue too big? Sure, it was. But it made sense because the one the, here, yeah, the AAC. Yeah, yeah, the the venue was way too big. I expected a, a bigger turnout, but that whole same weekend, it was a bunch of stuff going on. Like Raw was either the Monday before or the Monday after. Impact had a pay per view here that same weekend, or somewhere within that same ten days, and then there was the the G one thing at a at AAC. Like there was a lot of wrestling going on in one concentrated area, and naturally some some venues suffered well the one thing that we can say that we have been able to experience because of this is the fact that so many different types of venues that we did not believe could actually house wrestling are able to house wrestling the first time I saw wrestling in the amphitheater was here in the Dallas area and look we see it every week right now at Daly's Place and I'm talking. Shouts out to Jerry Bostic. He was the one who put on um, the the show in, in Dallas Cup a few years ago, um, bringing stars out to 110 degree heat, but did it in the amphitheater. Shout out to Lava Cantina. <laughs> did it in an amphitheater. So um, say oh, that just gave me an idea. Put a pin in that for off air. Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> Let me let me type that one. Hold on one second as I get away from the microphone. No, Bruno. And 
And oddly enough, fun fact, this same Lava Cantina we're talking about, that's the last place we saw MVP before he re-signed with WWE. Big facts. With the title belt. He had he had a title. You feel what I'm saying? So like it's it's these the the local shows and in, in especially where we are, the local shows are very um big. For lack of for lack of a better term, they're well staffed. Yeah. They're big. Like, I mean, you're, you're not you're not going to a high school gym to watch bums. And it goes to show you how how when I say big and how well staffed they are when executives look at us together as a faction that's doing a run in. We're all we're we're all we are right. is their guests. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah at, at some point someone's gonna ask if we work. <laughs> yeah, we have jobs. <laughs> Yeah, for real. Like, I get I get money, bro. Twelve yeah. rat strong. Don't stop trapping. <laughs> there was something. There was something that we that we touched on earlier during that whole that whole little spiel there that that we were supposed to go in last week about. Oh, we were still talking about uh, Dark Side of the Ring this week. Yeah, Nick Gage. Oh, um, yeah. A uh, week before that, Nick Gage. Then this past week was a uh, collision in Korea. But we talked about that one. But this coming yes. week, who up this week? Warrior. Oh, so he just get a whole week of turning. It's up. a whole week of turn up for him. So a a a and e has been doing a stellar job of recreating old WWE documentaries and and putting their own spin on it with getting you know some uh, some contributors. Facts. Even, even <laughs> one we don't like. That is the best way to describe that facts. Yeah, they're they're re, they're retreading the hell out of old documentaries, but man, they're giving it new mileage. They're putting the spit shine on the pinto, and they're adding just enough outside content to keep you watching, even if you've seen a lot of this stuff before. the The self destruction of the Ultimate Warrior was a Coliseum home video that came out. I want to say it was two thousand and five. Mm-hmm. Had the DVD, still have it to this day. You man, I need to borrow that one. I need to borrow that one because there was there were, there were two in that same vein. There was a Bret Hart one and there was this one, and they basically were, were designed to, to 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 shine negative light on people who were pivotal into the success of the company. You talking about the one they did where um, it was Bret and Sean, the rivalries thing? Was it was it rivalries? Because because I, I I remember there was I, I think Bret Hart oh, I want to say there was two two Bret Hart had bad like ones. a handful of different documentaries from WWE. I'm talking about like the one has, that was like in the same light to where like he after it came out he was like I refute that this ever came out and that type of thing. Uh I'm not sure if I remember him doing quite that. I do remember um, they did a rivalries one and then. When, Right after, because like 05 is 06 and 06 is where they end up kind of squashing the beef and no, kind of getting back, you know, into uh, you talking about Shawn Michaels and, and, and uh, Bret Hart. I want to say, no, that was that was that was January of 2010 because that was also, if you remember, that was the first night the impact went live on Mondays to go head to head against Raw under the uh, Eric Bischoff Hulk Hogan era, right? He didn't show back up to TV, but I feel like they were. They were working on things because, like, you had several different um, Bret Hart themed 
documentaries in that era because you have like um they tell his story from stampede and all the way through and then they do the whole heart foundation thing um i feel like there was a rivalries before they did the sit down version where they kind of uh i think they walked through it with jim ross about the timeline of how everything was going on right and how much of it was it was it a work and when did it turn into a shoot and xyz but it's one of those things like i'd have to actually go back through the hard copy dvds because now history is being reshuffled and rewritten half by wwe <laughs> and half by the cock well <laughs> here funny that you should pause. say that <laughs> pause funny you should say that on the a and e documentary dana warrior was all over it and oh really do tell yeah, she was she was all over. So the way A and E does its uh, chronology is that the players who were involved for you know they say people are here for a season or a reason. The people who right. are involved for the season, i.e., Sting, rest in peace of hot stuff. Eddie Gilbert was still around. I'm sure he would would have been a part of this. So Sting was was part of this whole thing up until the point to where they fell out. The only gap in this story was the fact that they never brought brought up the uh, the WCW. I think it was like two appearances with Warrior as he was tag teaming with Sting, with no um, no revisiting of the of the Blade Runners or you know the, the the team that they were in Memphis when they first started. You got me with that one because I didn't know the Blade Runners uh, ever did anything in WCW. Oh. So there was—I want to say there was a match that was on Nitro, where it was where Sting and Warrior. This is Crow Sting. And oh well, at, at that yeah, in '98, where yeah. they were trying just trying anything, sticking it against the wall with Warrior. Make, yeah, make, no, that I remember. I thought you meant when they were actually. Oh no 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 no! When 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 the Blade Runner split, it, it was a uh, <laughs> fresh off Power Team USA thing. Right, so there there was a uh, there was a show in Tulsa where it was uh, like Bill Watts and he, he had like uh, Doctor Death, Steve Williams, and a few other people. And on the opposite side, you had Hot Stuff, Eddie Gilbert. Uh, what, what was uh, uh, what's, what was oh man, Vladimir? I forgot what Vladimir's. Uh, I think it might, it might have been Vladimir Petrov or something like that. So he had, they had Eddie Gilbert had a, had a Russian. Um, the Blade Runners and long story short, it the the it like he had a cocker spaniel. <laughs> the Eddie Gilbert's faction ended up breaking completely to bits, and Warrior ended up leaving the uh, mid south completely. Next time we saw him pop up on TV was in Texas as the Dingo Warrior. And they didn't go into detail about the whole that the whole Bill Watts thing. And I only bring it up because it was like a pay-per-view, even though it wasn't a pay-per-view. They actually broadcast the entire show on the radio. And Jim Ross was one of the uh, one of the commentators for that. But um, I'm sure it's on um, on the network. Well, it will be on the network when they rebring the Mid-South UWF stuff back to the to the network. It will be on there. But outside of that, like that's pretty much for Sting, you know, leaves so i'd say all that to say this dana warrior comes into the show probably around the probably around the end of the wwe run just before he uh he goes on his 
self-help political thing and it makes sense because of how they met so they basically basically comes in talking about how they met and where they met and how they end up married that type of thing the reason i even bring her up is in true self-destruction of the ultimate warrior fashion yikes this dark side of the ring that we're going to get this week apparently has no cosign or no no input from dana warrior what a better way to get a documentary from an unbiased perspective than from someone who's uh, who's married was then without the opinion of someone who was married to the subject what a novel concept i mean okay dana warrior works for the company that originally produced the self-destruction of the ultimate warrior that was filled and littered with people who actually worked with and alongside him in real life and even if you don't like what they talked about that was their truth who are you to refute someone else's truth so don't tell me and if you listen to the show you know i've said this on numerous occasions <laughs> don't tell me when your feelings get hurt stop me when i start lying <laughs> so everything we ever heard about jim hellwig slash the ultimate warrior as a human being a wrestler a record label and a motherfucking crew tells <laughs> us that POS is in his blood. His blood type is POS. And that doesn't mean for positive. That is not sure for positive either. Oh, it's positive for POS. Oh, th yeah. this, this is a fact. Let me You confirm. know what I'm saying? Like everything we've ever heard, it's all been validated. No, almost no one has anything, re no redeeming anything to say about the guy. Even the, the A&E uh, documentary, it just lays things out in a very matter of fact way. Like he's he was socially awkward. They blame it on the fact that his father walked out on their family when he was, you know, five, six years old. So my my, my response to that is uh, head anywhere south of Martin Luther King <laughs> it, it, in it, any it, city. It, <laughs> Words right out of my mouth. <laughs> and then and then tell me about how much, you know, that's really supposed to affect the rest of your life and how much you know you're supposed to turn out like what he turned out like because if that's the case then yeah i got some other case studies for you well the biggest one's going to be this show on uh dark side because this this is probably gonna be the closest we get to the self-destruction of that we're ever going to see on daylight again unless you come by and get this dvd i'm going to be borrowing from suave however i can't help but think she that called it smut she called the dark side of the ring episode smut and it was another word she used but all of the things smut and filth that's what it was all of the all of the stuff that that came out on this a and e episode though with him on this touring and with him the, the whole the whole debacle that led to the apology for a child that he claims he didn't do anything like i'm not apologizing for jack shit i didn't do i don't care who you are i don't care how much bag is on the line i'm not apologizing right for up. jack shit i didn't do as you have said numerous times the professional difference between a lie and the truth is a lawsuit bruh 
<laughs> which we'll get to again but like that's been coming up a lot lately what what a hell of a what a hell of a segue i can't wait to watch this episode of dark side this week just so we can come back and talk about it again next week i'm geeked for it now i'm, I'm ready to see what's going on go tell me it's smut and filth <laughs> like where, where the lies at point the lies out you've seen it so you know where the lies are point them out I, I, make a list I wish I had the people's court theme music because uh, this is this is the cri- this is the borderline criminal part of the show. Yeah. <laughs> oh <like> shit! Yeah, <laughs> you mean smut and filth? Cause people got out here and told the truth. Oh man! As and I'm looking at the at the agenda, as you call it, the, the wounded warrior project. <laughs> yeah, I'm just saying that's what we call the segment because like her her pride is wounded, and I'm like, fam. Could they have said anything worse than the company you currently work for you. said in 2005? Because if they went worse than that, now I got to see it. Otherwise, you're just going to tell me stories that I already have heard. Or you might put some specific dates on some quotes, or you might get Eric Bischoff to talk about what it was like to work with him in WCW. That's something I've never heard told. Everything else... <laughs> Like, Everything I, else is like, bro, I've heard this already. Like, you want to hit me with some new shit? That would be some new you shit. Did. You know what I'm saying? Yo, so while we're on this legal talk, talk to me about uh, about this whole, this, 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 this latest dream deferred. <clears throat> so, as we spoke about on episode 116, um available on all streaming platforms um also on youtube if you're not subscribed to the channel i don't know why you're still dragging your feet it's at broken pencil bc on what everything 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 and um we spoke about um velveteen dream aka patrick clark finally getting his release and what that meant for his career what it meant for his legal situation and just a lot of there are a lot of ramifications that come from him no longer having a job and apparently one of those ramifications is he's breaking his silence (laughs) because mom's been the word for a very very long time about his legal situation oh, about his standing two, about, within the company about two years by my calculations right and we were like um I don't really know how you get to this point without clearing your name because as wood has told us on numerous occasions in print and in audio form the diff- the professional difference between the truth and a lie is a lawsuit it's a lawsuit I, you 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 going to keep hearing it till we blue in the face so i want you to put a pin in that statement cuz i've kind of thought about something that makes sense to me now that i've heard his side of the story 
or it's something that popped up now that he's kind of went into detail about um the background just some something a light bulb went off for me but um patrick clark formerly known as the velveteen dream which i have named i think his next stop in wrestling he he will he refer to himself as the pc <laughs> like the pc as in the patrick clark but also in a, a tongue-in-cheek reference to where he used to work S- similar to the voodoo kin mafia yes yeah the voodoo kin mafia or uh who else has done something like that uh all with uh big shows no more bs t-shirt yep <laughs> you know just some something something clever and I feel like you know he trademark trademarks the PC for a performance thing. I mean that's gonna be that's a that's a good look. But um, I'll read you ver. Should we read verbatim what his? Because this is a long statement, but it is his statement. I mean, I'm not mad at it. I bet. So um, Velveteen Dream broke his silence, which um, the story and the quotes broke actually yesterday. So goes as follows. The allegations from April 20th, 2020 have effectively derailed any upward momentum I had professionally and has ultimately resulted in my termination with WWE. My name is Patrick Clark, not the Velveteen Dream. Velveteen Dream is a character that I've spent years developing and trying to bring to life. The success of the Dream character relied heavily on kayfabe, my ability to blur Patrick Clark from tough enough with this over-the-top personality. Okay, you haven't lost me yet. The character was conceptualized the day Prince passed, April 21st, 2016. I knew nothing about him at that time, which kind of shows his age, but my thinking was that I could use my interpolation, interpretation of Prince to create an on-screen personality vastly different from who I am as a person. Q Velveteen Dream in, in like, um, in quotes. A sexually ambiguous, gender fluid, self-absorbed Devo. Not Diva. Diva. Devo. So apparently he kind of planned for what we're living in right now. So that's it's foresight on his thought. But to call himself a Devo, uh still showing, I guess, a masculine tendency. And that and as I learned more about Prince, I began to tame certain aspects of the character aspects that I deemed way too over the top and inconsistent with who Prince was as a performer. Now, before I unpack, I will say I've enjoyed the many stories I've been able to share on camera and I'm grateful to the many people who have trusted me with their safety and their wellness. So, everybody up to speed so far? Everybody good? Give a second, everybody a second to breathe. <sighs> All right. Goes on to say, thank you to any and everybody who enjoyed and allowed me to be my character. Whether you paid it, paid for a ticket, walked up on me in Walmart, my goal was to provide you with the same escape that I was offered when I first started watching. My job was to play a character and to help advance storylines and drama for the fans who cared to tune in. I take any job I have seriously, which is why I've remained silent about these allegations. To me, addressing rumors would be working against an already compromised ability to sell a character I've invested so heavily in. And I had been accused, or after I had been accused, I was given the opportunity to be in a storyline that lasted a few months, and I worked in a few segments unrelated to the story arc, 
but now I feel comfortable in this position to share with you the details of my accusations. I think he's uh, probably referencing the couple month storyline with Adam Cole and then stuff not related to the story arc is probably when he came back and kind of had the cast on, was working with Kushida and different stuff like that. And then that... um, And not for nothing. A brief, a brief interaction with Dexter Loomis. Not for nothing. His brief interactions and his, his matches that he had when he came back because he's only been on TV a handful of times and had a couple of NXT takeover appearances. He was still in his bag. I would, I mean, I, I can't, I can't do this podcast objectively and then talk about his, his, his work as if it was subpar. And he, no, he, nah, he got over based on the fact that he could work so well. Yes. And especially with him, this is being his first legitimate shot at, at doing something like this on a grand scale. And he was excelling at a very high rate. We go back and listen to our very first season. The the way that we heralded, even two seasons, the way we heralded him, we refused to say his name because we wanted him to be held in the most highest of regards when we finally got the, got the chance to see him on Monday or Friday nights, or at the time Monday or Tuesday night. Like let, let's let's not even let's not even put the cap. Wait, hold on. Looking at, yeah, you at what he it. was, you the way he's out. thought about. No, you, you, you I'm so, sorry. You're, you're good. You dropped out for a second. You're back, though. Okay. So look at the way he assembled this character. Obviously, he had a conscious thought about what the character was supposed to be. And because he laid it out the way he did, it was going perfect as far as what society would look like later on. It's not too much of a stretch to say especially because he was WWE homegrown. He had never worked anywhere else before. He was going to be top three in the next wave of, of talent call-ups. Like he would have projected well on the next level simply because his character is in line with societal moving. If it was a fifth, we'd all be fucked up, but, it, but we can agree on this, that had pandemic not happened, had WrestleMania 36 taken place in Tampa, our our Raw after Mania would have featured Velveteen Dream on Raw, and had that happened, I'm sure this whole story probably would not have even come out. Which there's more, there's another layer to this onion, if you will. He would have been flirting with some some high form of a single championship on the Raw or SmackDown roster. Could you? Could we agree on that? Yeah, them having a crowd and then him being the character that he is. I mean, like, there's no. He is on one level. He's the evolution of Goldust, but on another level, it's like, oh, this guy's like the future of society. If he's already thinking for like, okay, gender fluid, he's thinking, you know a lot of androgyny and ambiguous so forth and whatnot and the way he portrayed his character in nxt when it came time for the in-ring portion of his character made him a novelty because every time it was time for a big match which was the greatest thing about not seeing him work every week when he showed up for a takeover he was going to embody something that you knew and remembered so Rick. from him dressing up like Hogan, which he he coined the phrase "Good Try Terry" that we used 
still now, to this day yep. uh, dressing up like uh, Ravishing Rick Rude just bringing different things from the past and, and having a little bit of a nostalgia in his presentation Hogan, made him that much more entertaining Rude Macho Man with all of the pre and post weight gain swag of the late Adrian Adonis look him up facts do do you do your do your googles so i mean it's not outside the realm of comprehension to say that that dude had a very bright future this wasn't just something we put on that guy because we wanted to air quote see him come up but you know it's uh it is what it is but the 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 statement itself continues so he goes on to say the night of april 20th from my verified instagram account i posted a story to my followers letting them know that my dms had been open first mistake <laughs> i received a few message different messages ranging from support to heckling and some inquiring about how to get started in pro wrestling i responded to a few but not all and of the few i responded to one account accused me of solicitation the account belonged to a 17 year old aspiring wrestler jacob before he deleted it in the conversation, Jacob shared his interest in working as a wrestler one day and asked what steps would be required. I messaged a short list of things he should consider if he was serious. Physique and promo to start. Physique, because as an independent contractor, no one is going to make you train and eat in a way that creates the aesthetic of a believable pro wrestler. And promo, because our job is to sell drama. And you can't rely on someone flipping channels to stop and watch a choreographed fight. You're more you're more likely to grab their attention looking into a camera with a strong and impassioned 30-second monologue. Mm -hmm. I also inquired about which schools he was closest to in relation to wrestling training, his weight, and his height. Uh, goes on. Jacob explained how anxious he felt messaging me and asked me to verify that it was really me. I did find it strange because I have a blue check. You verified. You already doing too much. <laughs> Way too. You already you already too involved in this Q&A. No, but I mean there, I, there's know, no there's no Q, it's just all A. Pause. <laughs> but uh <laughs> he said I found I did find it strange because I have a blue check but as a lifelong fan I remember meeting Grease in the days I would message wrestlers hoping to be seen so I chalked it up to innocence and sent a voice message in my velveteen dream voice next mistake as to keep it kayfabe I understand why he may have reasoned himself into that still poor choice the full voice message has me asking Jacob about his height, weight, where he trained, and what school he attended, which Jacob answered back with a voice message, and I continued to answer his questions until I politely wrapped up the conversation. More statement. April 21st, I woke up to notifications and tags stop, of created screenshots. Stop, stop, oh. stop. That was all one day. You just read what? from the time we started just talking about this segment. You just read one funky ass day. Continue. One day of interaction, and then the background of his character, and you know X Y Z. April twenty first, I woke up to notifications and tags of created screenshots and videos of a conversation that I didn't have with Jacob. 
I immediately contacted WWE's talent relations and social media departments as to begin an investigation, aka I called in the hackers to find out who this guy is, where his IP address is popping from, and who's actually messaging me, and then I told WWE so this wouldn't turn into a shitstorm on me. So, even though on social media he probably did, he was too giving and was probably doing too much, he handled, he at least handled the, the initial allegations correctly. Let my employer know this is what happened, this is what I did, here you can see what I've done, get the social media team popping, AKA call in the hackers. Shout out to the social media friends that we have at, at WWE who always <laughs> listen to the show. We love you guys. Keep up the good work. I mean, we got to cash up, you know, just drop us a dime or two, whatever. <laughs> you feel me? I mean, Zelmi, legend of Zelmi. <laughs> yeah. But, um, uh, let's see. Okay, even after investigation, WWE released a statement maintaining my innocence. The part that hurt for me was having a personal picture that I've used in my personal life on apps being used to label me as a predator. So, apparently, I've never seen this photo, wasn't finna go looking for it, but there's a photo that got blasted out. I don't know if his cloud got hacked, I don't know how someone got the photo, don't know, don't care, ain't looking for it, don't know what it looks like. But uh, my thing, my thing is this. Oh, before you continue, my thing is this: if, if used from your personal life onto social media, how? That's a, a fantastic question. Like, if it, I don't know who else you've sent this personal photo to, but that that's the other thing. Like, you know, if he's using iPhone. Cloud's been hacked before because like we've seen we've seen um, we've seen private photos of other celebrities leak out. I'm not going without- to I'm not going to give it any shine. There's a whole website dedicated to people's phones getting quote unquote hacked. And let's be clear. The word hacked is being thrown around as if it requires skill, which it does. But the people that are doing this quote unquote hacking, they're not doing anything skilled. It, like it takes a special breed of person to go through a phone because it's, it's left unlocked and then send, send the smut to yourself so that way you can upload it for the sake of either getting a attention or b a dollar something tells me because again as suave has already said it twice in this podcast i'm going to say it for you directly the professional difference between the truth and a lie is a lawsuit all i'm hearing is a plea being caught but continue suave I'm glad I'm glad you reset that. Put the pen in that again. I'll address it once I finish his statement. His next statement goes on to say, I am in no way of the word a predator. This is the first and only time I've been accused of any solicitation to anyone. Until I was accused of grooming by Joshua Fuller, unlike Jacob, I know Josh. I met Josh after my stint on Tough Enough in 2015 at a meet and greet. And we developed a friendship through a mutual trainer at GXW. Usher screenshots of the first time we communicated through text in 2016, an autographed picture from when we met and an extremely contradictory story. Josh alleged that I made him feel uncomfortable, but contradicts himself twice by saying I was never sexual towards him. For those willing to research Josh's tweets accusing me, Josh's message are in blue and mine are in gray. So I'm assuming there's a screenshot that goes with this. 
Josh claimed that uh, he was a 16 year old high school graduate, which is, <laughs> I I guess, and that he takes yearly trips with his friend to Orlando, Florida. I doubted what he told me, yet I kept my replies diplomatic and professional. Again, now I understand more. Like I already un- kind of got it from dealing with social media, but I understand why certain celebrities do not respond to DMs. Like if I don't know you, there's no response because you end up in situations like this. It's the same thing about why rappers will not listen to music you send them. If they're an artist, they're not going to listen to the music you send them because at some point, if they listen to it and then even through osmosis, create anything similar, here comes a lawsuit saying that you sent them a record, they listen to it and then bitch your stuff. Again, don't stop me when your feelings hurt. Stop me when I start lying. But uh, he goes on to say, the reality of the situation is that I I was very helpful and respectful to Josh. Josh lives with his grandparents in in rural Southern Maryland, which is hilarious. He got all in this man's personal business on the slide. Wait a minute. Rural Southern Maryland. Where would that be? Oh, Minutes from Metropolitan DC, home of Patrick Clark. I, mm. I mean, relatively speaking. Okay. So, <laughs> um, yeah, he lives with his grandparents in rural Southern Maryland. Josh got a concussion in 2017, and against my advice, insisted on wrestling. So now that kind of leads more to what you were saying about, you know, from same hometown, because why are y'all still having conversations? You doubt what he's telling you, but y'all are from the same place. So I guess you feel like you cut him a break. But again, you still you doing too much talking to people you don't really know. That's the that's the bottom line. But still, as we continue. Josh got a concussion in 2017 and against my advice, insisted on wrestling. My worry came from Josh severely injuring himself, specifically his brain. I suggested he take time off from training to see a doctor. He declined because he believed that he could work through the concussion. And I cut off all communication with him in 2018 because I didn't want to be partially responsible had he worsened his injury. So to have him accuse me of predatory behavior because I chose not to help was spiteful. Josh and Jacob are two of all caps many people that I've helped yet these are the only two that have found me to be malicious and predatory in how I go about helping others what wasn't shared at this time Josh Fuller reached out to Jacob over social media before Josh put out his own accusation when this came out Josh Fuller temporarily deleted his Twitter then he put his Twitter ad out there which is important because in all the social media confusion, Josh Fuller is the only one who suggests that in an investigation, no, he's the only one who suggested that an investigation had not been done and that he had not been contacted. So essentially you couldn't be contacted if you took yourself off social media, unless they tracked you down. And then that's, you know, how much money are we really going to spend to track you down? (laughs) All right. We have your phone number. (laughs) you feel me so um let's see where's my place uh jacob deleted his social media after he was outed for being a member of an anti-black group chat 
that was an interesting point there is a public forum uh wwe ipsg stars where people are buying selling and sharing explicit photos and videos of multiple wrestlers and no one has done anything to have the site taken down so back to your original point about it's a skill but it's not really a skill and it's something done fairly regular there's a whole site on the aka you know 1999 jericho style and putting these people out here <laughs> man <sighs> and, and we still not done we got one more paragraph so hold hold that hold that what you got i don't I, make I, this I, quick. i've already i've already said it before go go ahead finish that up all in all this entire experience defamed my character and ultimately ultimately accomplished what it sought out to do and that was to see me released my hope is that over time people can put two and two together and realize that all the allegations surrounding me were baseless and untrue from jump i felt strongly about not needing to defend myself on social media for a while now but i understand the audience i work for and those who know me deserve clarity i'm thankful for the opportunities afforded to me and the memories i have as a receipt god has always had me and he always will dream is officially over but patrick clark lives to fight another day so before i give you the caveat that i thought of about the whole lawsuit thing what do, what do you take from that from that that very um articulated but very long statement it it, it was a chronology of events that places blame on no one particular person exempts himself from all blame and there says that it's pointed because one of the individuals involved may have a racist past but doesn't do anything to protect the company that protected him for so long while also not vilifying them but just simply stating that he no longer works for them if this case was on how to get away with murder, he would have a, a pretty decent alley-oop for Annalise Keating. <laughs> but However, we're nowhere near We're there, nowhere so now, near that, number one. <laughs> great, great analogy. Yeah, no, we're, we're, no, we're nowhere near that, and the court of public opinion decided what you were a long time ago. But there so, is no cease and desist. There's no lawsuit. Okay. One of one of the highest paid attorneys and corporate attorneys, who's also a randomly used talent, who's also high profile because of his, his former uh, relationship, works for the same company that you should have that you worked for, and you should have spent took the time to build a relationship with this man. Because I'm sure you have a relationship with this man to some degree. David Otunga, Harvard graduate. Like, how how are you not maximizing your resources to save face? Well, here here's the thing, I, and <laughs> shout out to Triple H on the board. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of I kind of feel like hold, when hold, please. when here's he goes to WWE management <laughs> and says, "Hey, here's the situation. Here's what I'm involved in." 
goes to the social media team. Hey, you guys try to figure out who this guy is. Look at what I have. Make sure you can download and save all the all the conversations the way I have them right now before they're edited and put out there again. Like, if there's some legal help that he needs, that's when you would put that in there. Like, they, if David Otunga's still on retainer or they cut him a check, that seems like a job thing. Like, now me, he may have to pay it back on the back end or how whatever they come up with, but then again, I've never really seen, you know, a wrestling company provide legal legal defense for anybody because this is kind of uncharted territory. However, if you put if you put yourself first of all, you put yourself in this position by by talking to people you don't know. That's number one. Two, you went about it the right way. It's like, okay, this is this is about to turn ugly. Let me immediately go let my employer know what is going on. Let me try to get these resources. So it's not like he didn't he didn't make all the information available and then all of a sudden realize, oh, I might need a lawyer. It's like he put that out there. They decided, oh, you good. You know, this is this is nothing that'll blow over, which happens with a lot of athletes sometimes. Like the organization will say, you don't need to make a statement about this right now because it'll just draw more attention to it. We don't see a need to go forward with any sort of legal proceedings. And until you're in a position where you've either been sequestered or arrested, there's nothing to do on our end. Write it out. Here's It'll an, blow over. Here's another option. Blow over it didn't. Yeah, here's, here's another option. Shut the entire fuck up and don't say anything, period. That Which didn't happen. That's pretty much what he did. No, it, if he if he had did that, we wouldn't have got this book that he just wrote. I mean, he's been he's been cut at this point. Now it's like, hey, look, just so you know, here's where I am. Because if he never speaks on it again, you see what we thought just by you know, okay, X Y Z. He you know the air quotes didn't find anything from their investigation, but this hasn't moved one way or the other. And like you say. The difference, the professional difference between a lie and the truth is a lawsuit. But if your hands are tied and they're like, okay, don't speak on this. There's nothing legally you can really do other than sue some motherfuckers who can't pay you. Like he has a higher probability of suing us and having us do a cease and desist than he does suing anybody involved in that story, including himself. Because you're dealing with, you know, two. I don't know if both of them are, are from rural Maryland, but you're dealing with basically basically a couple of hayseeds trying to get off on you. Pause. Yeah, the, the, the degenerates or not, they are uh, they're playing the game the way it, the way they know how to play it. It's right. A, it's, it's, a, it's a very because dirty. We usually game. see this happen to professional athletes, and hell, it's happening to Deshaun Watson right now. Bruh. It happened to Antonio Brown. It it it's happened to countless athletes. Usually, when they do something that the establishment doesn't like, and all of a sudden stories start rolling out. This was just of his own doing. Like if you had stayed out of your DMs and never opened them, you'd be on your fast track to a world title by now. And when you look at bringing up a, a potential lawsuit, if he's having to pay for this out of pocket, he's not making main roster money. As you can see, like he created the character in 2016. He's probably still on that same first NXT deal, which means 
he ain't making a whole lot of money outside of whatever his downside was and whatever he was selling in t-shirts which at one time was way up there and then fell off the face of the earth so now if they don't pulled you off tv your dates are more sporadic and you don't have new merchandise you are fighting a legal battle with reserve money that you can't get back man and it looks like now this case has cost him at the very least half a million dollars at the very least because downside guarantees for certain certain people in wwe half a mil and we say his trajectory was that of someone who was going to be earning on the top end of performers so it's you know three to five hundred grand he would have been top three he would have been the resurgence. You feel me? He could have single-handedly, single-handedly been the resurgence of star power on the main roster. You feel now? You feel what I'm saying? So now, when you're putting together a case or or a suit, it's basically a civil suit at this point. If there's no criminal charges, so basically saying you cost me earning potential, like basically what Joey Ryan tried to do when he got caught up in the Me Too stuff and then tried to sue the person that outed him. But in this particular case, it's it's a little it's a little more vague because he hasn't admitted any guilt. Joey Ryan was like, okay, they, he's done this enough times. Like, hey, you know, you you fast you on Cosby fast track, and we haven't seen a a peep out of him since. You feel me? He's done. He's out of there. He is donezo. But with um with Dream, it. Okay, if you're putting together the case, you can say, well, you cost me my re-up. So my, say my re-up was like low side 350. More, I'm more willing to say with the new money they got coming in and you know had things gone the way we planned it to, where he was going to debut after WrestleMania 36 or sometime thereafter, 500 grand a year. They're doing five-year deals. So five, it's a million, it's two, five, two five, and a half million dollars. Yeah, say two just in downside yeah. guarantee money. And then you look at merchandise sales. You take his position at the time at that time in NXT versus whoever his comparable talent is on the main roster. You just you take whatever you take Dreams T-shirt numbers and, and merchandise sales and multiply it by one point five. Just say the guy on the main roster who's comparable to Dream is making one point five times what Dream is making in merchandise, which Dream would make that up once he moved to the main roster, right? Right on. So now you're looking at saying for one suit, because of you cost me my job, you've cost me about five million bucks over over the course of however much time. You cost me five in upwards of five million. You're gonna sue these two hayseeds for five million dollars and expect to get mm-hmm. anything other than minimum wage for the rest of your life? Hayseeds. <laughs> I mean, I don't have anything else to call them. No, that that's that's perfect to to call them that. So, how they finna pay you? Two indie wrestlers, two two aspiring indie wrestlers, one with a history of concussions before twenty one. I bet you Nick Gage couldn't pay you back five million if you sued him for it. That's a very interesting take. Nothing from so nothing it, leaves nothing. 
You know what I'm saying? Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. So why would I waste the money paying legal legal fees for something that I can't get any of this back? Can't get the money back I'm spending on a lawyer. I can't get back the money they making me lose. The company pr probably would tell me, well, we're not going to fund any legal for any legal fees because there's nothing legally to handle other than the fact that they've, you know, defamation of character. Like you can win a civil suit on several different levels, but not gonna get anything back for it, and it may not even clear your name. <laughs> so, do we see him anywhere else ever, or is this, or is this ticket punched? I don't know. It it now it's almost like you got to seek out, you got to seek out vindicating yourself and, and clearing your name just so you can get back to getting money. Because so here, funny you should mention that. Things that we have seen in in a similar vein, most recently Enzo. Enzo gets released for a number, a, a myriad of reasons, but the, the 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 pinnacle of the iceberg would have been the allegations that he had against him from young, the young lady in Arizona. So bad that he released a song, a scathing, I, I, I can't call it a diss record. It was a scathing it, record. It is a diss record, though. But but I'm talking about defaming character and calling her all types of things under the sun. But what came out of that? No lawsuit. Criminal jar charges dropped. Well. Smoke, meat, fire? Or was he right the entire time? Only God it knows. It seems as though he was right the entire time, but they cut him based on the allegation, and he took that personal, which I would have too. And, and as he should have. On the flip side, ever since that's happened, he's made a couple of DVD, well, DVD, a couple of uh, promos. He's done a song with Leo Rush. He's done another song solo. Um, and again, we talked about him at SWE Fury. From what I understand, because we were late to the venue, his ring work has improved a complete 180 degrees. From right. where he, and he, he had been um, kind of, his name had been tossed around about appearing in Impact because, you know, W. Morrissey is there, a.k.a. Big Cass XL. There was a conversation about them doing maybe a shot in New Japan, also uh, potentially working Ring of Honor. So and, and also not too far out of the realm of reality. The return of Big Cass or Colin Cassidy and Enzo Amore to WWE and or WWE NXT. Actual wow. factuals because WWE is starved for star power. But it's interesting that we we bring up Enzo in the same light as uh, the Patrick Clark slash Velveteen Dream. They both suffered from the same professional setbacks that were also exas exacerbated by their legal troubles Enzo got in got in his situation and it made it easier to cut ties but the whole thing we would read and we would hear all the time is that he had locker room heat just because of his attitude so he had heat backstage same with Velveteen Dream this, this is the same heat that actually led to Pac actually going his air Pac actually jumped ship because of Enzo you feel what I'm saying like he was like no I'm not gonna wrestle in a, in a cruiserweight division and then have to take a back seat to this guy who can't air quotes can't work but can talk 
Well, hopefully, hopefully. Take, take that to mean whatever you wanted to, because I mean, Pac is wrestling some of the best matches of his life. He ain't doing no talking. I mean, he'll 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 do a pre-tape promo every so often, but he ain't doing a whole bunch of talking. That's not his game. So we we've burned way too much time on the PC, if you will. I mean, yeah, but it's it's just like there's so many different layers to it. Like this is this is far from over. Well, this is again. This is just the second week of this story. So we, this is our second time, our second episode talking about this particular story. This time we actually got the onion to peel back. I'm sure between now and this time next week, when we do the next show, that we're going to have even more to peel back or even more to dial into. So I say, like you say, put a stick a pin in it. We'll revisit nope. it because I'm because it's going to come up again. We we don't know. Oh, I'm certain. Again. I'm certain. So, which way do you want to go with this? Do you do you want to go ahead and do the mixtape, or do you want to go ahead and play a game? Uh, I'll let you. I'll let you decide. Hmm. Coin flip. This is give me this. Let me. <laughs> this is this is me stalling. Larry Zabisco, first five minutes of a match. Jeez. <laughs> no, I don't do the Larry Zabisco joint. There's only one reason why I could possibly be stalling. And it's going to give me time uh, to get this car together. You ready for it? Uh, yup. Hey, hey. You know who ain't going to win. You know who ain't going to win. You know who ain't going to win. You say that bitch again. I know who ain't going to win. You know who ain't going to win. You know who ain't going to win. We say that bitch again. I want one, two, two, three. Get your tail. One, two, two, three. Get the fuck on. One, one, two, two, three. Get your tail. I want one, two, two, three. Get the fuck on. Who's the sponsor by? This is sponsored by TheBeastRadio.com, also sponsored by the 2021 edition of Swaftoberfest, whatever it's going Amen. to be called. A- uh, Amen. Amen. Also sponsored by the Trap Almanac. <laughs> yes. And, and look, I just, I just picked a beat for Swaftoberfest uh, today that's going to that's gonna keep you from, uh, from doing your normal spiel of uh, cursing me for my tempo choices. I haven't cursed you one damn this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You have because I sent you that. I sent you what I sent you. I, I haven't cursed you. I just talked a little shit, but I haven't, I haven't cursed you this time around. So I'm, I'm trying to work on that. AEW Double or Nothing, number three. This is the second year. Oh, sorry. This is the beginning of their third year. Uh, as yeah, this is, yeah, I'm, f- I'm wondering, are they gonna start doing pay per views? They just gonna put numbers by them for the year, or are they gonna do like the the count? It, it seems like, to me everything they're doing is anti E, so I'm probably going to say no. The I like the year aspect versus the the number, in my opinion. I See, we can bring back Super Brawl, <laughs> uh, Battle Bowl, delete the lottery. Oh, say on the cool. <laughs> Why are you playing games? The lethal lottery is like. Battle Bowl is a dope concept. I said they should have brought it back on Raw to try to spice things up, but that's that. Put a pin in that. All right, but uh, pay per view bringbacks. You feel me? There we go. All right, let's run down this card. I mean, this this we can do this real quick. They have as of right now nine matches uh, for the AEW Tag Team Championship. We have the the Low Warriors, the Block Control Express, Nick and Matt Jackson versus uh, John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Who ain't gonna win? 
um, Moxley, Moxley and Kingston. I, I'm going to disagree with you. I'm going to say the Lord Warriors ain't going to win. Ain't nobody taking them belts off them no time soon. Come on, bro. You you know you know who we dealing with. <laughs> I do, which is more reason for me to actually say that. Um, it remains to be seen. Sting and Darby Allen versus Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. This is a tag team match where Sting is making his return to the ring for the first time since taking that errant buckle bomb from uh, from uh, Seth Rollins in WWE. Who ain't gonna win? Sting spinal column. I think a buckle bomb is gonna be there just for nostalgia purposes. <laughs> Stadium Stampede. If the inner circle lose, they must disband as a team forever. We have the Pinnacle, which is MJF, Wardlow, Sean Spears, Cash Wheeler, and Dax Harwood with Tully, Tully Blanchard at ringside or at stadium side versus the inner circle made up of an injured Chris Jericho, Jake Hager, Sammy Guevara, Santana, and Ortiz, which I believe Santana should be back for the stadium stampede. Who ain't going to win? The inner circle. I think it's time. They 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 messed the inner circle up by trying to bring uh, Wardlow and MJF into it, and this ain't this. It's no longer for them. It's time for the pinnacle to rise. And MJF is going to be around. He's only twenty five years old. He's going to be around for quite some time as a dastardly heel in this industry. Uh, Miro, your AEW TNT champion, or Dante Martin, as they're going to have a match this week, which. AEW Dynamite is going to air on Friday before Double or Nothing versus the Murderhawk Lance Archer with Jake the Snake Roberts in his corner. Who ain't going to win? I hate to say it, but Man. our guy is probably not going to win. So Lance I'm going, is probably going to come up short because it's just too early to take the title off Miro for as impressive as his title win was and as impressive as he's been on the mic since then. I'm going to agree with you and I'm also going to hit this because bitch Texas I don't want to see Lance Archer in a title match lose therefore I'm going to up the ante I think this is going to be a time limit draw if it's Miro which is definitely going to be Miro or some type of schmoz DQ finish imagine how much bigger this match will be if if they started the build like Miro just had a regular title defense against somebody else anybody else maybe Kip Sabian like that would have been a good setup and then you build Archer versus Miro for three months, aka twelve weeks, and do it all out. <laughs> you dig? Uh, I'm just see so you see what I be saying. Like, uh, go ahead. Hangman, Hangman Page versus your FTW champion Brian Cage. Who ain't gonna win? AKA the Swerve Ring. AKA the Wellness Monster. The Wellness Monster's taking an L. Couldn't agree. Add with an extra L to wellness. They they got to re, they got to rebuild Hangman Page because keep in mind he was in the very first AEW World Title match against Chris Jericho. It's time for him to get back to the top of that list. Um, Te- technically he's supposed to be the number one or number two contender anyway. I don't know how I don't know how Pac and and Orange Cassidy jumped him in line. Uh, because I, I, I think it was the number one because contender. all out because all outs in September. That's but, why. Yeah, there you go. Casino Battle Royal for the AEW uh, Future Championship match. Um, this is where Matt Sydal made his debut last year and slipped off the top turnbuckle and damn near broke his neck and killed himself in the middle of the ring. However, Christian Cage—that's been a year. Yeah, 
Or actually, what did, didn't he do? I thought he did that at, at uh at All Out. I'm I'm not certain. It may have been Double or Nothing. Anyway, we got Christian Cage, Matt Seidel, Powerhouse Hobbs, Penta El Cedo Mieto, uh, Jungle Boy, Matt Hardy, Mark Quinn, Isaiah Cassidy, The Blade, Evil Uno, Colt Cabana, Preston Vance, Griff Garrison, Brian Pillman Jr., Max Caster, Anthony Bowens, QT Marshall, Nick Camarado, Dustin Rhodes, Marshall, <laughs> QT Marshall. Don't disrespect that man. Uh, Nick Camarado, Dustin Rhodes, uh, Lee Johnson, Big Shotty Lee Johnson, and somebody to be determined. There's always been a debut oh. at this match, and and don't forget TC Carson. And John Hinton and the rest of the cast are living single. <laughs> oh, Erica out. Alexander, Queen Latifah, Kim Fields, Kim Cole. Shouts out to Kratos. Uh, first off, <laughs> who, do you, who do you think could possibly debut here? Um, I don't know. That, that spot could be reserved for somebody coming in from Japan. It could be somebody coming over from Impact on a one shot. Um, I, I, you know who I think it I is. I don't know. I don't know what available talent looks like right now. It could be Air. It could be Rowan. I, no, I don't think so. Not and after what what we saw from the last time, I don't think so. You know who I think it is. I who? think I think it's Bo Rotundo. Who? Bo Rotundo. You think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean that would be cool, but you you know how I I feel about their debuts now. It doesn't matter who they bring in; it's what you do with them afterwards. Yeah, you got to keep in their mind track record for doing. It, Christian Cage is the biggest name you have in this list, but the person who I want to see—he's my pick to win. The person who I want to see win is Penta El Cedo Mieto, me personally. But you're not you're not going to have a debut that's going to be bigger than anybody in this match because it's going to be. More than likely, if it's if it's not on the pre-show, it's going to be the first match. Therefore, no, I, I can I can book you a scenario where the whoever debuted, if they ended up winning, would be bigger than somebody or bigger than anybody else in the match. Give me one name, real quick. Okada debuting though. Uh, actually, he's hurt. Pete, he is, but okay. Bear with me. If you brought in Okada as the mystery person and Okada wins the match and you end up with a Kenny Omega versus Okada match on US on US soil in AEW, is that not instant money? That's that's instant that's instant bread, fam. I, I'll take that in a heartbeat. So that's instant bread. Exactly. So use that same formula and pick anybody from anywhere else and do the same thing. Because you already have your match with um with Andrade set for uh, Triple Mania, um, there's on the a, sprays, there's a name. on the shelf. There's there's a name. I don't think I don't think they would because all all promotion for Andrade is saying that his first match will be his first match back uh, since leaving WWE 
I don't think they would change or change all that promotion just to bring him as a surprise at AEW. I don't think the bag is big enough for that. I mean, Conos is right to check. You could always make the bag big enough because here's what makes it really cool. Um, you have the main event of Triple Mania. Let's say Andrani goes over like we said uh, or like we uh, predict and then Andrani shows up here at double, double or nothing wins the battle royal ends up challenging kenny omega now basically he's trying to take two belts off kenny omega or he ends up losing them both back I, I, or losing one back whenever he gets to kenny omega it's going to be for everything i'm for i'm firm on that um but i'm, gonna, I'm just thinking i'm thinking of main events you can set up for kenny omega so if if the title changes hands at triple mania with the mega mega championship which i assume it would and then he wins the the battle royals like okay i have this belt i'm gonna challenge you for the aw title and that's how you could put it back on kenny so he can continue this whole you know thanos gimmick this one more match thing sadly if this if this happens the person who ain't gonna win is not gonna be named Christian Cage. And what we end up seeing is a scenario where of your three champions that you've had in AEW, only one of them hasn't wrestled full time for the WWE at one point in time or the other. Which I'm sure won't go over too well with the boys in the locker room, but what can you do when the man cutting the check is saying, here, this is what you get. Um... Nick Camarado will be in the corner with QT Marshall and Aaron Solo representing the Nightmare Factory as Anthony Agogo takes on the American Dween baby Cody Rhodes with On and Thun. How many people is he gonna have on deck? With On and Thun, if you will, in this corner, baby. He need Diamond Dallas Page too. Pay and uh. Pedro What's Messiah. the dog's name? The, the dog's name is Duke the Dumpster <laughs> Dwozy. No, I don't. <laughs> the dog is not named Duke Drumsy. <laughs> You're being garbage. <laughs> I am. Um, what is that damn well, Yeah, you, you need more people. You need to bring some more of the Nightmare Family out there. Like, get Billy Gunn. He ain't doing nothing. <laughs> bring the gun club like come on fam you got people in a faction you see how, how we've been saying this like you have all these people in the nightmare family and then when you getting jumped on fire off but fire those people if they're not helping you when you get beat up <laughs> the dog's name is pharaoh by the way Pharaoh, if you will. Okay. Looking yeah. Well, Pharaoh need to be at uh, at at ringside. Looking for three. Um, for the AEW Women's Championship, Hikaru Shida versus Doctor Britt Baker DMD. Mind you, Hikaru Shida has held the belt for over a year at this point. Who ain't gonna win? It's time, damn it, Hikaru Shida. It's time. Sheeta's not gonna win, and if Sheeta does win, I I don't ever want to watch another AEW women's women's match ever again. Bruh, they they they've rebooted this division so many times in the last year that that Sheeta has held the belt. It is ridiculous. My God, it's time. Finally, your uh, AEW World Championship 
which I'm really upset this is going to be in the same way that we've been seeing WWE championships being defended since WrestleMania, a triple threat match. If they if they haven't burnt that concept completely to the ground, man, Kenny Omega versus Orange Cassidy versus Pac. Who ain't going to win? I hate to say this. Pac is going to be the one that ain't going to win because I feel like they 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 what, have no, no, more no, actually, mileage in Kenny versus Orange. But like you can you can work a couple of weeks of TV with that. Hey, hey, look, we're we're not first and foremost, we're not going to have a new champion. We can start no, with that. Not even close. Not even a little bit. No not way a, in not the a hell. Chance. No way in the hell. Pac gets 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 on gets a three second ten. Orange now Cassidy. we do we do know Kenny and Pac by themselves can have a damn near have damn near a classic. How does Orange fit into that? Orange plays fodder for a triple threat match, but there's or, or, but he's also going to be the one taking the fall. There's absolutely no way I, there, this match ends any other way than either Orange Cassidy knocked out or taking a fall. That's what we disagree. I think I think Pac's taking the fall because I I feel like they they believe there's more mileage in Kenny versus Orange on the following weeks of TV after this pay per view. And simply like that, that's how we play. You know, you who ain't gonna win. And we'll come back and talk about results next week. Um, we still got hit this mixtape real quick. We we overdo on that. We'll come. That's gonna be the last thing we do. But real quick, shouts out to Internet Champions of Wrestling. We were talking about the the new seemingly reemergence of one Shinsuke Nakamura coming out with indie sensation now signed WWE talent Rick Boogs, who came out p- playing a rock guitar and Shinsuke Nakamura's theme music on that rock guitar. And by his presence and the way that he rocked for Shinsuke has instantly given Shinsuke a whole new persona and has given Rick Boogs the jumpstart that anybody wishes they could have coming in from seemingly obscurity from the NXT roster to SmackDown. Suave, your thoughts? Is this what we've been reduced to when debuting new characters? <laughs> like <laughs> this guy's supposed to be like really skilled in the ring, like really able to handle business. And you essentially dressed him up and trotted him out there as a Bobby Roode Dolph Ziggler hybrid. <laughs> go back and watch Smackdown with the knowledge I just gave you and watch him play guitar and tell me that doesn't look like Dolph Ziggler with Bobby Roode's mustache he looks like um, what Elias wanted to be when he grew up that's what he looks like but <sighs> just uh, on, on, on the flip so- on the flip side though I want it to work out for him, but I just uh, I'm like, bro, what what have you done? Why? Why is this necessary? I have a sneaky suspicion this is going to turn into the same thing that uh, 
Penta El Cedo Miedo's doing. You know how Penta is supposed to be a heel, but he has his mouthpiece and says, Penta says, and translates his Espanol to, to English. I have a feeling that the the role that you wanted Shinsuke to play when the sorry I don't speak English was going on, that Shinsuke is finally going to be able to go back to speaking Japanese while Rick Boogs translates that to English as a rocker. But what's going to have to happen is this, the rocker gimmick is only going to be around for so long and it can't be more than say two or three months alongside Shinsuke because then we'll get tired of both of them again. Rick Boogs. Right. So Rick right. Boogs, So what do you do with him now? Rick Boogs has star written all over him. The, the comedy fodder to rebuild Shinsuke as a face, as a winning face. I like it. I'm, I may I'm, I may be in the minority, but I actually like it only because I see the trajectory of which Rick Boogs is going to be in the next five, uh, you know, three to six months. God willing, he doesn't do something stupid a la Patrick Clark. <laughs> yeah, because now everybody has to get that dice roll about are you going to pull a <laughs> damn, are you going to pull a PC? But um, <laughs> is this a dream or reality? Jeez. <laughs> I'm just like, like what, what does he do after this? Like, okay, it's cool. Comedy fodder for Shinsuke. I feel like, yeah, you put Shinsuke in the right situations. He'll be like, He'll be Funaki funny and probably funnier. Yeah, I think so. But but at some point that has to come to an end for Rick Boogs to cash in on this potential. You say he has and I've and right now I'm going to be completely honest with you. He comes off a lot like um, Jesus, who, who just got released like Mojo Raleigh with long hair. He comes off like a hype bro. So, what is it about him that you ask, uh, that you don't gravitate towards? Is it the actual look, or is it the rocker gimmick, or is it everything? Like, is he just not not the one for this particular uh, entry? It's not even the fact that I don't gravitate towards it. It's just I don't I don't see currently right now in this current iteration. I don't see how you go from this and take him forward for the type of talent you have him earmarked as. It, it, and for me, yeah, it's the whole thing. It's it's the it's the rocker stuff. It's the old spice commercials. It's like if you're gonna have him play a goofy character, then okay, let's get a goofy character. We've seen Eugene. We've seen other stuff. So I mean, if he's like, uh, <laughs> all, all, especially with that goofy ass mustache, like a clean, a a, a WWE clean cut version of Joey Ryan, like he's a sleaze bag, but not quite quite lollipops in the trunks sleaze bag <laughs> right so let me ask you this if if they they turn his ass loose they say leave the guitar oh, in the back <laughs> they, they leave, say leave the guitar in the back we'll, we'll let you we'll turn you loose in the ring this friday on smackdown what would your thoughts be then you say if they turn him loose on smackdown and do what and just and just let him be him it's in the ring. Like what like, is like, him? Like, like give like give him, see that that's give him a match. Give him a match where you, it showcases his talent. Because if there's any show that could do that, it would be SmackDown. So the first the, the the one thing that no one has ever done is come to SmackDown and show the hell out after a debut like like he had last week. So if you were able to go in the ring and have a match that showcases his skill, 
and he actually won, how would you feel about him then? I'd be more confused than I am right now. Okay. It, it, I don't think, I don't ever think that what we say on this show is going to happen. Dare to surprise us, WWE. I honestly think that that would be the best way for the public to gravitate towards him, especially with us getting back to crowds. Um, that To me, I, I think that just solidifies his, his earmarking for gold. That said, crowds. Um, getting ready to get back into the crowd situation, we have the Usos seemingly together in a tag team match to take on uh, the Street Profits this coming Friday on SmackDown for the WWE SmackDown Tag Team Championships. The Usos together have been the winningest team in SmackDown history. And actually, uh, they're, they're just, I think, one win behind the Dudley Boys for the most WWE uh, Tag Team Championships of all time. Uh, I'm sorry. New Day has the most, but Dudley Boys, I think, have like, I think, nine, nine uh, title reigns. What do you, do we get anything out of this or is this... Uh, Jimmy Uso becoming Roman Reigns' bitch. It's just such a harsh word. He started it. Harsh, harsh. He started it. I mean, yeah, he did. And he got a cool T-shirt out of it. So he's going to get some bread off of that. I, I just feel like at some point, either by choice or by force, he's going to be a part of of the uh, inner workings of the hierarchy. Like you're going to be at the table with the rest of the table, either by, you know, choice or force. So, cause I still have the Usos earmarked as a team to dethrone Ray and Dominic probably at SummerSlam. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, y'all can, and, and, and the God MC is the one, you know, stretching this thing out. So, you know, he's not going to, he ain't gonna have a, a trash payoff to this. The Uso, the Usos are are better and stronger as a unit. Even though main event Jay Uso is no slouch by any stretch of the imagination. Is just when Roman's doing what he's doing, and then you have Apollo Cruz who's breaking out of his um, his one room apartment at the bottom of the card and catering. It's like, I mean, there's nothing for him to, there's no singles title for him to. And because he's the air, he's going to do more losing than he does winning. Finally, before we uh, get up out of here, the mixtape we've been talking about. Who? Hollywood Blondes. Who, who would be earmarked for taking the next level from going from professional wrestling into Hollywood with a seamless transition that just translates into buku bucks we can go back and forth with 10 alright that's a bet um for me number one I'm gonna go with Maxwell Jacob Friedman MJF really yeah yeah number one okay Right. I, I think his mic work me that leads me to believe that he he has a lot of real life charisma because you can't be that much of an asshole on TV and not be that in real life. Um, but I think just because of his look that he would be able to score like you know the the douchey guy in, in a chick flick role. 
over and over again. Interesting theory. Um, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with my first pick. I'm gonna go with the Miz. We already have him earmarked to play Johnny Cage, so I mean, <laughs> right on. And, but I, but I also think you know, for as as many of the Marines as he's made, which I haven't seen, not one. Um, he also kind of has that John Cena quality when it comes to the the comedy space, or like you know, um, what's the what's the movie with Mark Wahlberg? Which one? And uh, um, this is it's stepdad. It's it's Will Ferrell. It's a series. It's with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg, and then John Cena ends up being the, the stepdad to the stepdad or whatever the shit is, <laughs> but something like that. One of those uh, family friendly but slightly inappropriate comedies, right? You know what I'm saying? Like he could be stiffler. <laughs> And funny you should mention that. I, I see Sammy Guevara being that guy too. <laughs> I see I see Sammy You Gu- putting him on the list? Yeah, I will put him he, he just made the list. <laughs> okay, Sammy Sammy just made the list. Sa- Sammy so you- <laughs> Sammy's a special kind of funny man. And on top of that, because bitch, Texas, I I really think I really think that he could he could fit a bunch of different roles and please don't let him be able to actually speak Spanish. That that'd be a different element to the game there. Bro, he's he's like the villain in Bring It On Seven. <laughs> Who else you got, man? Um, give me, give me Drew McIntyre. Ooh, like ooh, ooh! For the exact same reasons, I was actually going to pick him. I was actually going to say he would be the perfect person especially with his age the, to be the next action hero like with the fourth or fifth expendables he could, he, could be, <laughs> he could be a part of the expendables or he could do like a wwe films rambo remake like there's there, there's different stuff he can do um i'm not even against him playing a mortal kombat character i don't know which one but uh, yeah he can he can play some stuff there's no worries about that. Oh man, if we redid Street Fighter, he could be Zangief if he cuts his hair. <laughs> he could be Zangief. Hell, he could be M. Bison. Really? He could, on the cool, he could be. But I, I like the idea of him playing Zangief better. Hey, you know who else he could be? Who? Who? Who's the dude uh, with with the the flamenco dancer with with the claws? Uh, Vega. Vega. Nah, he's too big to be Vega. Vega gotta be like a yeah, little I, slender. Actually, that would be, that would be a, a Penta for Vega. <laughs> <laughs> Bruh. Uh, nah, right. nah, I'm gonna I'm end up casting a really good Vega after we get off this episode, but I can't think about who should play Vega right now. Let me let me keep it a buck. Oh, Andrade. <laughs> that's too that's too easy. Let that's me, too easy. Let me let me keep it a buck. Here here is here is a uh, here's a sleeper for you. You want to talk about action, or even even a, like a bad baby mama? Like there's a there's a number of different ways you can go with with her, but I really I really think Bianca Belair would be a dope person in Hollywood. I like that. I like. Who else we got? We got two more. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. You you, you got three more. I got two more. 
Yeah, I was gonna say I don't even know if we should put Sasha on this list because it's already proven. Like she should be like the all-time quarterback Bruh. of this throw-up tackle. Like, let me just let me let me just do that for Sasha. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just a matter of time with her. Yeah, she she got a rocket on her back. Whenever she, she decided to, to lay down for the last time, pause. Um or, and, do not, and, and don't think that <laughs> that she's not using that as leverage. <laughs> Bitch, I was in the Mandalorian. Can you even spell that? <laughs> His axe. Yeah. Uh, um. Who do, I, who do I want in this slot? Pause. Uh, <laughs> we paused. And I just, too much shit. I just thought about it too, and I lost it that quick. Uh, give me. Hmm. Take another one and I'll, I'll think about it because I just I went blank only because of the greatness we've seen the last two times we've seen this man Charlie Haas <laughs> jeez you went underground legend listen it's not for nothing we're in the internet generation SWE Fury is a really great product and if you go to YouTube and just look up Charlie and, and we, I, we can't talk about what we saw this past Saturday but just look at his mic work. Look at his—he's—he he drips of asshole. Pause. <laughs> Jeez, bro. He, 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 <laughs> I can't believe he just paused that. God. On an episode featuring the Velveteen Dream and his escapades, you say that a man is dripping of asshole. <laughs> How insensitive can you be? He he drips of degenerate jerk. Is that better? I mean, it's a little better. Still pause worthy. Uh, better than oozing. Um, I <laughs> just just Charlie just Charlie Highs is cut from a different cloth, and he never got this opportunity on the mic when he was in uh, in WWE. The, the best thing we got out of him in WWE was being everybody else. Outside of him being part of the world's greatest tag team, of course. I can dig it. Yeah, so yeah, uh, two for one for the, you. Yeah. Uh first one it finally came back, and it's it, I don't know how I for went blank on it. Dude's earmarked for this. Roman Reigns. Hate to say it. Cousin cousin got the red carpet <laughs> lined out for him whenever he ready to leave. Like, not only do you have the you have so many ends and then your cousin who is currently the biggest movie star in the world also has a production company your cousin so from seven bucks to start decides to start green lighting movies i can just reach and grab who i want i'm gonna put my cuz on man and now the money train keeps rolling and you've already admitted like not not like verbally or like contractually but just by what you did in the last fast movie or hobbs and shaw <laughs> You've committed. Uh-huh. You've committed to bringing the family, not just the family, the dynasty on board. He, you, you bringing some people along, along with you for the ride. Everybody eats, B. One more. Give me another one. Um, Bray Wyatt. Ooh. A happy belated birthday to Bray Wyatt, who just turned thirty-four. Good God, he's only thirty-four, and Listen, he's been booked like trash for half his life for six years. Like, fam, he has been booked like gutter trash 
for almost a decade, and he's only 34. His his best his best finishes come on Twitter. Miss me yet? <laughs> Hashtag zombies. But I mean, imagine him as a movie villain, like as well as he's been able to deliver promos and lines uh, just on WWE television. Imagine like really letting him get into a character. And I don't know why WWE Films hasn't taken the opportunity to make another type of horror film or something similar and have him play the villain. Maybe not as graphic as See No Evil, but, you know, something with a jigsaw type storyline or just I can't I can't make all the money for me and y'all. Here's an interesting take before I give my give my last one. Uh, Jacob Lattimore, singer and of the uh, the shy fame was in a WWE produced movie called Slate that I happened to see on Netflix last week. And the the one Dule Hill was also a villain in this movie too. Um, one of the things about WWE films typically is the fact that there's usually a cameo from a WWE superstar in this movie. This is probably the first one where I didn't see that happen, unless you're counting Dule Hill because it was around the same time that uh, he was that Dule was always coming on uh, for Monday Night Raw. Do you even know who Dulé Hill is? The name escapes me for the sake for the moment. That's the black dude from Psych. He was also the um, the coach. Ah, because I didn't really watch Psych. He was also the coach on Ballers, the black coach. Okay, now, now, yeah, there you go. Yeah, now we're in the same wheelhouse. Yeah. So anyway, this this is a strange tidbit. That said, my last pick is going to be Xavier Woods. Good pick, solid pick. Yeah, he he has um, he ha- he has we we've seen him in three different capacities as a professional wrestler over the course of the last fifteen years, starting with shout out to Creed. that damn near instant classic he had with Matt Riddle on Monday Night Raw. While we're on the subject, man, they are doing some old school storytelling between he and Riddle and Kofi and Randy Orton. Kofi and Randy Orton didn't deserve to have the match they did last week, but goddammit, they gave us a gem. A gem they gave us. Yeah, shouts out to all four of them boys for that one, because that, that's setting up a nice little feud that's going to end up culminating in a uh, Matt Riddle Hill turn, in my opinion. Last pick for Edge. your uh, for your uh, Hollywood Hall of Fame. Um, There's a lot of different people who make sense. Um... But I, I'm picking it from the standpoint of who would make the Batista move and end up playing like a Marvel character and end up in a franchise. And man, I feel and, like and from what I heard, Batista did his damn thing in that zombie movie. I haven't watched it yet. I have it, you know, kind of on the to-do list. Um, I think Bobby Lashley could end up playing a, a superhero like a really um, one of these marvel characters like okay think about say if you had a, a a motion picture adaptation of luke cage okay doesn't bobby lashley look like he could pull that off yeah yeah headband bob was actually pretty he he, he made a headband charismatic which more, many people can't do that in professional wrestling 
so i mean with scripted lines and, and it's not live you're not dealing with the same thing as him cutting a live promo you're just dealing with this guy looks like this and we can do the lines as many times as we need to to get it right and we've never seen him genuinely mad and i'm sure we if we can get him angry on camera i think that that would translate a lot better than his angry persona as a professional wrestler so right I, i'm not, I'm which not I, I do not have a problem with you know the current iteration of luke cage from netflix i'm just saying if you wanted to turn it into a feature film right on and just like that man um we had a busy week and this episode came like five days after the last one so it, it, two hours we smashed that shit. we out here we outside Show up BrokenPistolBC.com, BrokenPistolBC at gmail.com. It's BrokenPistolBC on all things social. BrokenPistolBC or uh, at BrokenPistolBC on what? Everything. Everything. And swap tickets to the house. Pencil pushers. Heads up. Pencils down. We are still the worst. Ever. Oh, and again, huge shouts out to... Uh, Jennifer Young, aka Jen Jack, aka Jen and Juice. Squad. Right on. <laughs>